72 Voices is a project by 72 and Sunny, who are a creative accelerator with offices in Sydney, LA, Singapore, Amsterdam and NYC. This series champions the new generation of creative entrepreneurs in Australia. In the chats, we identify smarts and insights that we hope in some small way will inspire the next generation of Australian entrepreneurial success stories. Welcome to 72 Voices, the podcast series with our CEO, Chris Kay, produced by our friends at Otis Studios. This week's chat is with Kanna Campbell, founder of SAS Financial and creator of Sugar Mama TV. As an author and content creator, chatting about the high value and belief she places on creativity alongside her more analytical core skills as a multifaceted entrepreneur was really interesting. Likewise, hearing how she combines a mindfulness approach to life, both professionally and personally, especially as a new mum, was energising in equal measure. I hope you get as much out of a chat as I did. Cool. Well, look, I, I, I'm going to start with a really simple question and we can roll from there. Okay, great. Uh, so who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, my name is Canna Campbell. Um, I always get sort of stunted when I get asked that question of what do you do because I do lots of different things. Yeah. And um, I guess I operate in, I take I guess a boring subject and make it a creative one and yeah. fun one. So my background is I'm a financial planner. Okay. I work for myself and um, I've had my own practice for about 14, 15 years. Okay. But I also am a digital creator. I have a YouTube channel and I um, work with Channel 9 for the Today Show um, as a guest presenter. I am an author. Um, I'm a mother. <laughs> um, and... I'm also, you know, a writer. I, you know, run various platforms through social media, and I work yeah. with um, brands and creating content to help educate people. And and so you started your business 15 years ago. What was that journey like? I worked for a big bank, and I had built up a little business within the bank of great clients, and. I could see where the bank was going and that they were becoming very product-pushing, very pigeonholed, you must sell this, you must make this many appointments, see, have this many clients. Yeah. And I, I didn't like that and it, it didn't sit with my value system. And um, I was I was able to change my business within the bank, which was I was very lucky. I had a fantastic mm-hmm. um, boss and role model. But it got to the stage where I, was, I had this, inst- this gut feeling in my gut where I wanted to maybe have a go at doing something on my own, and that's what I sort of dreamt of. And it wasn't until one of my biggest clients said to me, pulled me inside and said, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> you need to go out on your own. If you go, I'll walk with you. Yeah. And, um, you know, and all you need to do is this, this, and this. And he ran his own advertising business and very successful and just a really lovely, um, down-to-earth, soulful person. And I sort of said, look, I'm thinking, I've been thinking about that. It's funny you say that. And he's like, just do it. And I went and spoke to my parents and I thought they were, at the time I had a mortgage and, yeah. you know, it was 26, 27. And yeah. I thought they'd say, don't be ridiculous. You've just, just bought a place, you know, you need a security of a salary. And they, they were like, no, do it. If you've run all the numbers, you've done all the planning, you've set, gone, looked at, t- you know, turned every single stone over to look at this, mm-hmm. have a go. And I thought, you know what, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And um, I've never looked back. And how did it feel at that moment when you handed in your resignation and jumped? Fantastic and really exciting. I felt just this huge sense of liberation. And I started to realise, I started to look at my time so much differently. It wasn't about, you know, doing nine to five or eight to six. Mm -hmm. It was about, all right, how do I use my time efficiently? Because if I can get my work done, 
you know, I, no one dictates how I what I do with in those hours. So, yeah. and I started to think in a, a really sort of creative space and mm-hmm. looking at efficiency and, you know, what was the where was my time best invested? How did I grow a business? You know, I had to then step into a understanding how to how to build a referral system, how mm-hmm. to market my business. Um, you know, also the, the accounting and yeah. um, business side of a of a business. Um, you know, it was. I felt like I was using all these different parts of my brain finally, and they're being woken up. And it's I've never felt better. And so, what's the fifteen year journey been like? It's been. I've been very lucky. It's been very slow and steady, which is what I like. I'm very much someone who loves consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very fortunate that all my clients walked with me when I resigned, so I okay. was able to get my business running up, you know, running very quickly. And yeah. I made sure I did everything correctly uh, to make sure that it was set up, it was compliant, and, um, you know, the bank wasn't going to come <laughs> after me because at the end of the day, the clients own themselves. Yeah. And um, and it's just been – it's just grown from strength to strength. And I got to the stage where about four years ago where I – one of my biggest – one of my um, most special clients, you could say, um, is a – a beauty makeup blogger Chloe Morello mm-hmm. and I was looking after she's a financial planning client of mine and she said Canna you need to teach other people all the stuff you're taught teaching me and she, she sort of said to me if you hadn't taught me this I would probably end up in jail because I <laughs> didn't know about GST and tax yeah, yeah. and superannuation and investing and you know all these really important things and um, so she's really encouraged me to go and watch my own YouTube channel and um uh, after sort of umming and ahhing, I, I did it, and um, you know. When was that? Four and a half years ago. Okay. Mm. And and how did that feel going? Because because that's quite a public thing to do. It is. It's yeah. scary putting yourself out there, and I look at my first videos and cringe because I'm like this awkward, <laughs> um, like sort of stunned dummy staring at a screen, <laughs> like talking like, like a news reporter. And if you look at my videos now, I'm like totally relaxed and yeah. laughing at myself, and you know, very different energy level. But um, it's a journey. You, you just have to do it. And look, there are plenty of people, I'm sure, laughing at me and, you know, talking about me behind my back. But so be it. At the end of the day, um, people are watching my videos. I'm helping people, which is the most important thing. People, I'm helping take financial stress off people's shoulders. I'm educating people. I'm inspiring people. So those people can just, you know, yeah. you know, melt away as far as I'm concerned. And then when you look back to your first, your business, what was the biggest challenge over that 15-year period? Was there a moment that you were like, oh, my God, this was the wrong thing to do? This is, I don't want to sound really smug, but no. <laughs> I, like, and I think because I really value the freedom that it gives me. Sure, there are times where you, you might be a bit flat or un- unmotivated or uninspired, but those moments do pass. But it's something I, I really enjoy doing. I feel incredibly empowered and I feel very lucky to, that I've done this. And admittedly, if I was doing running, starting my own business, SAS Financial now, um, you mm. know, with it. A bigger mortgage, two children, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had the the strength to do it. And I think, you know, being naive is, is a blessing in disguise because, yeah. you know, I just jumped. Yeah. Um, whereas now being older and more conservative, <laughs> um, I, maybe I wouldn't have jumped. Do you think that? Do you think that is that's an interesting point when you go out and start your own thing? Do you think you should, you know, the naivety of youth mm-hmm. 
Is, does that feel important to you? I do. That? I do think it's yeah. important. Um, yes, you, it means you're going to make more mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but those mistakes were always lessons. Um, so yeah, I, I think that did help. And but also it, it comes down to your support network. You know, yeah. I had people around me saying, you know, I'll follow you, do it. I support you. I encourage you as well. And that massively helped. If there's one piece of advice you could give yourself at that moment when you started, what would it be? Oh, uh, do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Just don't delay. Yeah. And and then as we started talking, you talked about it was hard to say what you did. You do multiple roles. Mm. Is, is that something that's important to you to, to play in lots of different places? I've always been someone who's really creative and it's quite funny that I'm in a financial planning role. You know, <laughs> if you think about the typical financial planner, they're 60 years old, they wear a suit and tie and sit behind a desk and tell people yeah. you must take a packed lunch to work. I'm not <laughs> like that at all. I, I'm all about balance in life. I'm all about investing in experiences, living a you know a meaningful life. And um, I'm not someone who says you can't spend money. I'm say I tell people to spend money mindfully. Yeah. And um, I love I love being creative. And you know, I looked at what I studied at, you know, at school. I studied photography. I studied mm-hmm. French. I did drama, and I did business studies. I didn't do like a high grade mathematics yeah, yeah. or you know uh, you know th- th- three unit English or anything like that. It was it was very much creative. So I feel like I'm quite lucky, and I get the balance of both yeah. parts of my brain. And what does being creative mean to you? I think for me, it means about being completely open to inspiration everywhere and then applying it in what you do in your life whether it be baking a cake mm-hmm. whether it be writing a blog post whether it be taking a photograph on your phone whether it be a conversation that you have with someone and I'm always open to inspiration from all sorts of components of my life not just my career but you know I'll see an old couple walking ha- walking down the street holding hands <laughs> and that inspires me yeah, you know, yeah. in my relationships yeah um, I watch um, you know mothers with their children and explaining things. Like even this morning, my nanny was playing with my son um, whilst I was like frantically trying to get out the door. <laughs> and the, I was watching her tr- try and get him to, uh, I think it was like, go and clean his teeth. And that's something I b- battle with. And the way she did it was really inspiring. <laughs> she made it really fun. I was like, that's really cool. I'm going to try that. Like just yeah. being open to inspiration all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, What does being an entrepreneur mean to you? <laughs> wow. Um Sorry, I'm firing like no, some no, no, heavy questions like, at you this morning. You have to just <laughs> excuse the slowness of the baby brain. Um, I think it means just being continuously on the pulse, mm-hmm. continuously creative, continuously challenging things, continuously changing your perspective, being able to step into other people's shoes and look at how you can continuously grow and improve what you're creating mm-hmm. with and, no boundaries. Yeah. And uh, and then it's, it feels really clear you have a really clearly defined purpose mm. for who you are, potentially both personal life and professional life. Can you just talk a little bit about that? <laughs> uh, well, in my career, yeah. um, you know, I'm really passionate about helping people financially. Yeah. I think financial stress is, is has a huge flow-on effect in our lives. And mm-hmm. it's one area where we can take so much more control than really smallest simplest things can really change our financial stress and pressure yeah and what we can do financially and you think about financial stress it impacts our relationships like how many divorces are caused because of financial stress and pressure yeah i think it's documented around about 32 percent, but i'm pretty sure those numbers realistically are probably higher yeah you know it impacts our mental health it impacts our physical health you know if you speak to a doctor about 
cancers and strokes and heart attacks. Um, it impacts our career decisions. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are in a career that they don't really like, uh, but they have to because it pays the bills. Yeah. And there are people in there who are in a career that they want to advance in, but they can't afford to do the course or mm-hmm. don't have the time to do the course. Um, you know, there's it, it, it really does infiltrate into so many different components of our lives and, and eats up our time and, and there are little things you can do to make a huge difference. And there's this big black hole in the financial, in the education system. Yeah. In you know primary, secondary, and tertiary education yeah. levels, we're taught how to balance sheets, do balance sheets. We're taught how to read profit and loss statements, how to do all these analytics of of businesses and formulas. And no one stops and takes teaches us how to, you know pay off your home loan quickly, mm-hmm. why you need to pay off your home loan quickly, how to use a credit card wisely and smartly yeah. to your financial advantage, how much money you need in an emergency, just basic financial literacy. There's this big black hole. And because of that big black hole, people look at things like the financial review or yeah. you know, any sort of various financial publication, and it's intimidating and boring and dull. But if you can understand a few key things, it actually starts to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, did you, when did you stumble on that passion and clarity of purpose? I, when I was at university, I was working two jobs and studying full time. And one of my jobs was working behind a bar. Yeah. And I would work quite crazy hours. I think I'd work till about three in the morning on Sundays. <laughs> and on that Sunday shift, you used to make really good tips. And it was all cash. Yeah. And every, I'd come home, finish my shift at three, get home three thirty, quarter to four, sort of stumble into bed and just throw my tips into my bedside table. And one day I was, I think I was studying for an exam or doing an assignment and procrastinating. And I decided, look, why don't I take a little break and see how much money is in that drawer? Because it was starting to kind of overflow. (laughs) And so there was a lot of money there and I sort of counted it up. It was all sticky because I was working in a bar. It was all like (laughs) smelled. It stank (laughs) of cigarettes and chewing gum. It was filthy. And I I used to come home with it in my nails. It was foul. and I counted up, I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. And it was in small denominations, so lots of yeah. 5 and $10 notes. So I took it to the local bank, which wasn't my personal bank. It, um, it was actually my parents' bank. Mm-hmm. And thought it was taking up so much space. I thought, I'll just get it converted into $100 notes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't think anything of it. I was very naive at the time. But they sort of questioned me about all this money that I turned up at the bank teller, like this <laughs> pile of cash. And they took a copy of my driver's license and they out goes the window the like confidentiality um <laughs> but my father my parents banked at this bank and they you know very old school would go to the yeah. bank every day and pay their bills and deposit their checks and they knew all the bank tellers and the bank manager and everyone like that and my father came in that afternoon and said which do his normal banking and they said oh do you have a daughter with a large amount of cash <laughs> he's like i've got a daughter but she does not have a large amount of cash and they're like no no she was in here today she came in with all this cash and we asked us to put it into 100 dollar notes for her so he came home and i remember this doing? moment <laughs> i was upstairs in my bedroom and he's like ganna like and i'm like oh god right done and he's like i hear you have a large amount of cash and i was like yeah you know my tip money <laughs> and he was furious and he was like, Can I? That is just so stupid. If we get robbed, that money is gone. Yeah. You'll never get that money back. And I think it was also concerned how did I come up with all that money? <laughs> yeah. like, what exactly was I doing? But he said, And worst of all, it's not earning any interest or growing in value. And I didn't understand what he meant. Mm. 
So you sort of sat me down and explained you've got to put this money aside. Like you should put that money, if you don't need it, put it away for your future. Yeah. So the next day he took me to my bank. We deposited the money and we invested the next day. And then a few months later, um, I got my first dividend check um, and I didn't know what it was. I did my first check. And I showed it to him, and he, he was like, "It's your, it's passive income. It's it's your money working for you." And I was like, "Yeah, but I haven't done anything to earn it." <laughs> like, I, like really confused. Um, can be really quite simple sometimes. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen, and and he said, "Well, that's yeah. this is how it works." And I, and he said, "I said, well, what do I do with it?" And he's like, "Well, you've got to go and deposit it first of all, but you can spend it, or if you wanted to, you could go and reinvest it, and that will then grow." Mm-hmm. And I thought that sounded like a great idea, and that was my big was aha moment, moment yeah, like, yeah. where we love to quote Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I realised if I did that, that the cheque next time would potentially be bigger. Yeah. And I could imagine, for me, the dividend was quite, you know, I was like, wow, that's a shift for me, like of standing on my feet for eight hours. Yeah. So I um, reinvested it, and I thought, imagine if I could build this up so that every time my dividend comes in, it's enough to cover, like, Mm-hmm. you know, my living expenses. Mm-hmm. And that was when I realised, this is really quite easy. This is a no-brainer. And I thought, I've got to teach other people how to do this. Yeah. And that's what, back then when it all began. And yeah. and I you know, became increasingly passionate. I read lots of books. And, and I in my course, I decided to start studying an advanced diploma of financial planning as well. Yeah. So that's when the passion for finance came into your life. What about creativity? Because it feels like those two things are equally important to you. Yeah. I was so creative at school, and then I, when I finished school, I kind of let it all go, and I stopped playing around yeah. and being creative. It wasn't really until I started my YouTube channel that I was able. I started to pick it back up again. Yeah, and it's funny. I actually find doing this this creative side really therapeutic. It's okay. almost like a meditation for me. You know, pl- you know, playing around. Yeah, you know, we just recently re you know redid the website. Even just the designing, I didn't build the, the second website myself I got someone to help me with it but do you even just the layout and t- mm-hmm. talking her through okay this is what I'm I'm envisioning this is what I want these are the colors I want this is what I want f- coming in here it was just it was almost soulful and, yeah and it um, nurturing and yeah um, it just gave my brain that balance like, yeah and um, I really love what I do You've used the word balance a few times. Mm. Uh, you know, how do you find that balance in professional and personal life? And for those people that don't know, Kenneth just had a baby a month ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's a really interesting time to have that conversation, yeah. potentially. It's the second one. Yeah. You know, how do you find that balance? It's something you've got to constantly work on. Yeah. You, like, you have to prioritise balance in your life. Otherwise, you, life will take over and you'll you'll fall out of balance. Yeah. And it's definitely something I cha- I struggle with finding balance. But as long as I'm constantly aware of of tr- of balance and trying to make sure I apply balance in my life, that's good enough for me. And you know, balance comes from you know, having time to myself yeah. know, for, a, for a spiritual connection. It comes from an intellectual perspective where sitting and watching the new news or or reading the news and you know, re- finding a new podcast or blog yeah. to read um, from connections and relationships having one-on-one time with my partner mm-hmm. um, you know family time as a whole as a as a community or a unit connecting with my girlfriends um, you know there's there's lots of different components and then obviously prioritizing my own financial well-being as well as yeah. the family's well financial well-being yeah um, you know it's and then obviously the physical stuff like getting out into the fresh air yeah getting amongst nature going to the gym 
like you, you've always like to me it's a it's a pillar system and it's never perfectly in sync yes yeah. you're never going to be perfectly balanced but if you can keep your fingers on the pulse you can you're aware wow i haven't been to the gym for yeah. 10 days i need to prioritize that now to check back in whereas if you don't have that awareness it's easy for a month to slip by and you think wow i haven't gotten some exercise yeah. for- talk about the pillar system that you just referenced the pillar system is something I learned about probably about ooh, um, 15 years ago. And it's I read a book by a guy called James Arthur Ray, I think it was, and it's called Harmonic Wealth. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the five pillar system and, and, um, and how to apply it. And I, it, was, it had a huge impact in, on me at the time in, I guess, understanding mental health, mm-hmm. understanding how to take care of yourself, um, and how do I guess live a, a more meaningful life as well? Yeah, and how do you manage your time? Is is it through that compartmentalizing different bits of of, of your life? It pre- yeah, I'm, I'm I'm quite a structured person who someone who values routine. Yeah. Um, normally, the way I would structure my time is I'd wake up at five a.m. because there's no one around you to <laughs> email you or text you. Yeah. And I'd get so much work done in that little five to seven a.m. window before my son woke up. Woke yeah. Up with a newborn um, and feeding and um, that's not really happening at the yeah. moment but um, I've really had to change my routine and I'm, tr- I'm really trying to find my new um, my new rhythm yeah so and um, and my partner works in ra- horse racing and so he's up at sort of 4 30 in the morning okay. after work so it yeah. is it is I'm finding it's taking a while but I'm slowly kind of figuring out a new routine but um, for me, everyone is different, and for me, having that routine in place, I don't mm-hmm. have to think about it, I just do it. So for me, things that are really important are having time alone. Yeah. Um, one thing I always try and do is get myself into the ocean, mm. um, even in winter, because yeah. that just you know, recalibrates you, washes away the yeah, stresses yeah. and keeps you present, and yeah. um, and it, it just has a huge impact. So it's something, yeah, I'm always, I'm always looking, tweaking and improving mm-hmm. my routine and my rhythm. What made you become an author? <laughs> um, so it was quite funny. About a couple of years ago, a publisher offered me a book deal. Yeah. And I was really excited about it. And I think my YouTube channel was about a year old. And um, and then all of a sudden they pulled the job and said, sorry, the financial book market is um, saturated. We're taking it away. Mm-hmm. And I was really sort of disappointed and disheartened. But I remember one of my best friends said, it's okay. You know, and she could see I was quite upset. She's like, something better will come. And about a year later, I had two huge publishers, you know, bidding war for yeah. the book deal. And had you written the no, premise for the book or was no, it just based no. on, on who you were as a person yeah. and what you were doing in life? And I I didn't want to write a book. I came up with this <laughs> idea thinking they'll hate it and go away. And they were like, great, we love it. And I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm going to have to write it now. So I wrote about the $1,000 project, yeah. which is a challenge I created, um, a financial challenge to come, you know, find ways to come up with or manifest money outside of your nine-to-five yeah. jobs and then go and do something proactively with that money towards, you know, some sort of financial goal that was meaningful for you. And um, it's and so I was like, oh, dear, I have to now write this. And yeah. And I actually managed to write it quite quickly. I think I averaged a chapter a week. Wow! But I wrote in my I wrote in my in my five a.m.s. I wrote on my weekend. Yeah. My 
partner Tom was was brilliant. He'd mm. he'd be like lying on the sofa on Sunday watching the sport, and he'd be <laughs> and like watching me, like sitting yeah. at the kitchen table writing, and he'd be like, "No, you've got to keep going." Um, yeah. So yeah, it, I did it, and um, and then I just released my second one. Yeah, and well, and, and just before we jump onto that, how how did it feel when you got your first book out in the world? Because that's quite a momentous moment, especially the the energy that you've put into it. To be honest, it didn't. It didn't. I didn't have that like woohoo, like yeah, yeah. let's like you know, like finishing a university yeah, yeah, course yeah. or finishing yeah. a big assignment exam. I didn't have that. I don't know why. I guess I'm someone who just gets on with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it to me, writing the thousand dollar project was quite a therapeutic process as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just I didn't have that, but I didn't expect to have that either. And and then talk about your latest book, which came out a, a month ago. Yes. Um, so mindful money is uh, is a more advanced version of the thousand dollar project. It's more technical, but it takes anyone from any different sort of financial situation, any different fi- financial education level, um, and explains to and empowers the reader to work out what is a, a financial goal that's important to you and how to actually achieve that goal. Yeah. And I give a variety of different case studies for the readers to refer to and copy and follow. Mm-hmm. I share with the reader all these different things that I personally do myself. And I explain, you know, quite complicated um, financial matters so that you can understand the benefit in it for you. Yeah. And uh, and spirit. sorry, I, I was going to pronounce that really badly. Spirituality mm-hmm. and mindfulness seem really important in everything that you do. Yeah. Uh, just talk a little bit more about that. Well... Other th- if you don't understand that meaningfulness, like something yeah. that sparks something within you and ignites a passion or a determination, yeah. they're just words on a yeah. piece of paper and they don't mean anything and you're going to become disheartened and give up and it's not gonna f- you're not going to feel good about yourself or what you're doing. So if, if you can spend invest the time in yourself to find out what is important to you, what you stand for, what your value system is and why and how it was, that value system was built and if it's a value system that you need to yeah. change or adjust or, you know, evolve, um, you're, I think, more, you're programmed for greater success and mm-hmm. it will come to you easily. And then you've used the word a lot, uh, teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you also a mentor to uh, up-and-coming entrepreneurs? Is that something that you do? I offer Skype consultations uh, for people to talk to me about their finances. Okay. So I'll have people that will, and I do them with people all around the world, and they will, you know, I'll speak to them and they can talk to me about their finances. And and often it's really interesting because a lot of times people will talk about their history. Yeah. And how, for example, you may have grown up in poverty or with a parent that was a gambler or a hoarder or, um, you know, a family that used to fight over money Mm -hmm. and how that can imprint some good and bad habits and yeah. patterns of self-destruction. Yeah. And it's about changing that mindset, understanding, and then, you know, focusing on what you want to build. So it's, it's a, ma- a, a lot of spiritual conversations yeah. that do actually flow on from those consultations, okay. as well as the practical side of financial planning, like have a budget, have some emergency money, <laughs> pay your credit cards debt off and don't have a credit card if you're going to be not use them correctly. Yeah. Um, this is how you need to invest. This is how you need to take care of your retirement savings. This is how you know you need to set yourself up financially. This is how you can save for your first home. So it's it's yeah. the reason why I think what why my the subject of financial planning from what I do has been listened to rather than the stock standard mm-hmm. you know 
do this, do that, is because I do inc- I do incorporate that yeah. sp- that sort of spirituality side yeah. and that mentorship, you know, through my videos, through my Skype sessions. Yeah. Uh, we talked earlier about what being an entrepreneur means to you. Do you think the uh, Australian psyche has entrepreneurship as part of its makeup? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I think and in what be, way? We it's not one dimensional. Like yeah. there's there's and I think as a country and as a world, we're stepping into a more universally that's even a word um, aware. Um, uh, Place we are more open-minded. We are more um, open. We're more. We're able to. I think we have greater compassion. Like yeah. I th- I think we're really evolving as human beings. Yeah. And you know, none of this like just stiff up a lip. You know, get mm-hmm. on with it. People are looking for the lessons. Yeah. People are, are looking at making the, the world a better place. And yeah. That um. I think there's just a, a greater depth in people. Yeah. How do you think the world views Australia and, and entrepreneurs in Australia? Whew, um, I think we've got some fantastic entrepreneurs. I don't think it's, you can categorise it yeah. to a country. Yeah. You know, I think regardless yeah, yeah. of what, where you ha- what continent you, had to, continent you happen yeah. to be standing on, yeah. it's, it's, it's an individual thing. And, uh, and, and then different question. As an author, where do you read and look for inspiration in your life? Everywhere. Um, yeah. Like this morning I was watching the ABC News and yeah. then as I was walking down the road, I um, came across uh, looking at my emails and my subscription to one of my um, blog posts that came through to read. I'm like, I've got to make sure I read those stories. They're really interesting. Yeah. So I'm constantly open and also, you know, things miraculously get sent my way to have a look at or people message me on, like someone messaged me on this morning on Instagram to say, I noticed you really like um, secondhand goods. You've got to check out this website called Hello Charlie. It's brilliant for children's <laughs> wear. Um, you know, like there's this constant. You, you've got to be open to it, and then you, you know, being open thing. sounds really important to you. Mm. And 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 just talk a little bit more about that. And 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 have you always been an open person, or is that something that you learned over time? I think it's something I've always been open, but I'm more open now yeah. um, because I've realised the energy that it gives you back when you're open and um, and. You learn new things, you gain new perspectives on things, you get new inspiration, new ideas, new new motivation. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think it's important to be compassionate to other people to be, to yeah. be open as well. What's the most inspiring thing you've seen recently? What's the thing that you've seen and gone, oh, my God, that's an awesome idea or that's really – or you've taken some inspiration out of it in a different way? I – well, this week I went to a Vogue event and um, – they it was a it was a collaboration with World Vision. Okay. And they are running this program called A Thousand Girls, where Vogue is working with World Vision to try and sponsor one thousand girls hmm. this year in. Various, in Australia. It's, it's World Vision in Australia, but it's 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 a global it's a global organisation. So yeah. they've got you know they're working with Aboriginal communities, but they're working yeah. in Uganda, um, Peru, um, all sorts of things, and trying to stop sex trafficking and yeah. All, all sorts of horrendous things that are going on around the world. And it focuses on education. And I've been umming and ahhing about starting up round five of the $1,000 project. And, mm. and I sat through this breakfast and watched, listened to the, the World Vision people speak about what they're doing. And I was so blown away by the impact they're making and the fact that they're really focusing on education and that they go into these 
you know, remote communities, they stay there for 15 years and once mm. once it's fixed and sorted, they then move on. And they were saying that's actually great when they move on because they've done their job. So I'm going to, with round five of the $1,000 project, that was the big kick up my backside to go, <laughs> yep, I need to start round five now. Yeah. And the charity of my choice will be um, World Vision. I'm going to yeah. see of that 1,000 girls how many girls I can sponsor with doing round five wow. of the $1,000 project. That's amazing. Final question. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had more time in your life uh, and you could do one more thing, what would you do with your time? Uh, Maybe sleep at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say um, travel with my family. I'm sorry, picking two things there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'd like more time to go traveling with my family. I think that's so important to yeah. to really see how different cultures operate, how people li- other people live. Um that's yeah. I get yeah, so much I mean, inspiration to, when I travel. And and if you could pick anywhere to go, I I really want to go and explore the Scandinavian countries. Okay. I've never been, and yeah. um, that's really high on my list of places to go. Awesome. Well, yeah. look, thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Up next, we have Craig Davis, co-founder of Sendle. <laughs> 